Hi folks, I'm Duncan Guild, child and adolescent psychiatrist. And I'm Victoria Lee, licensed clinical mental health counselor. And welcome to Is There a Med for That? The podcast about teen mental health, behavioral problems, and what to do about them. Victoria and I have been working together for years with kids. Sometimes we use therapy, sometimes medication. Sometimes we just give guidance to parents. And we realize that sometimes kids just need to be left alone. We don't have all the answers, but we've got some of them. We'll do our best to share what we've learned over the years working with struggling kids and their families. We hope you enjoy the show and that we can be helpful to those who have taken on the hardest, most important job in the world, being a parent. Hi, Vicki. Hi, Duncan. Let's do episode number two of today. Of today. Of today. And of 2023. And of 2023, getting back in the swing of things. Feels good. And uh, I think we're going to aim for now for publishing an episode every two weeks. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yep. Let's do that. See how that works out. Great. Until uh, all the money starts rolling in, then we can make it a full-time career. Perfect. What are we talking about today? I thought it might be fun to do a part one discussion on something called being an intentional family. Mm -hmm. So there's a book written by William Doherty. He's a PhD. He does counseling work. And he, his book is called The Intentional Family. And so in the book, he talks about what an intentional family is and the dangers of not becoming one in our modern culture. So what is an intentional family? An intentional family is a family that is intentional about setting up rituals of time together. So you can think of holidays. Those can be intentional times together. Um, Meal times, morning routines that are intentional then become rituals. There can be um, certain date nights for couples that can be plan time together. Vacations can be intentional time together. Right. So there's many, many different ones um, or different uh, ways to be, have intentional time together. But I think what I really like about his book, it's very practical. It's a nice little practical book, but it, it brings it into the reader's mind, how critical it is in the modern world to make family connection and make, so like what if you're talking about being a parent as well as a partner, to really make that a priority, he uses the analogy of a canoe. And think of your family like you're in a canoe in a river. Nowadays, the way that our society is structured, that river's not going to carry you forward in a positive way as a couple, as a family. It actually is very much set up in a way where it's going to carry you probably away from being a strong couple and away from being healthy parents. And so if you're in that canoe as a family, you want to be intentional, about where you're going to, what direction you're going to row in. Otherwise you very well might end up on the rocks. So the proposition is that, uh, society has somehow changed to a point where if you do not actively attend, uh, proactively attend to your family, things are somehow going to drift the wrong way. Yeah. I okay. love the use of proactive. Yeah. I like that, right? Yeah. We used to use that word a lot. Yeah, we still do. We still and do. I think it's a good way to bridge the, because a lot of our, with WED, the work that we've done a lot of together over the years, 
holistic education, big part of it is about being proactive in your own personal wellness and in your relational wellness. And so intentional is just another way of putting it. Uh, he says either you're going to be an intentional family or you're going to be an entropic family. And Entropy. Now we're talking physics, right? This is your department. I've read about this stuff. Great. Entropy is a natural... Some physicist is going to write and say, I butcher this, but it's a natural tendency of order to descend into disorder. And it's one of the, eventually the universe is going to die, heat, death, hmm. and everything that's ordered becomes... Chaos. Yeah, this is, I did a terrible job with that. Well, I think maybe a good summary. Anyways, things that are High ordered tend towards disorder. Okay, that's right. So... And in here, he talks about not being so rigid with being an intentional family that you become so orderly that everyone's miserable because some families can do that too. But to find that balance where, because if left not being intentional and orderly in the way that you do connect, most families become dysfunctional in the way that they connect. He talks about, maybe before we get to the uh, rituals part of it, he, and very briefly in the introduction, and you could have books and books written on this one part, he does, uh, I think he spends just a couple pages talking about the structure of the American family, how it's moved from what he called the institutional family, which for most of human, um, like modern human history, we've been the institutional family, which tends to be father-led um, masculine led and very much focused on security and stability of the family unit, right? Small communities. Um, and that lasted until about the 1950s when what started to emerge in American family structure was what they called the psychological family hmm. where that sounds better. It does when you like, especially if you're in our field right. <laughs> to other people, their red flags might be going up. Um, is that what happened was that the family was starting to be seen as something that should support the individual's fulfillment. So focus moved away from group to the individual. Yes. And as it got into that, it actually reversed the two. So right now, I think you can make a lot of claims that it's still very much true that if my relationship isn't making me happy then I should very much consider leaving it, right? So happiness became a higher priority even versus stability and security. There's a great quote in here um, that when he's talking about the institutional family, he was talking to an old school psychologist or therapist of sorts. And he said, it's odd, like, and this was as they were transitioning from the institutional family structure to the psychological family structure. He said, I, I can't believe how many people are willing to throw away a perfectly good marriage because they fall in love. Hmm. And I thought that was really deep because I think the modern American, like the today's person, that would be a very confusing statement. But what he's really pointing to is that the security and stability of having a healthy family for the kids, for the individual, for the longevity of the each person as well as the unit, that would just be a silly thing to do. There is certainly something to, I'm thinking about folks we've seen, and having separation between parents and separate households certainly complicates things yes. for kids. And it doesn't necessarily you know, have to cause problems, but sometimes it does mm -hmm. or it exacerbates problems. So on one hand, that makes a lot of sense to me. 
On the other hand, a lot of folks would say, you know, the traditional family unit with patriarchy and the husband was getting outdated in today's society is more progressive when uh, we all get to express ourselves individually. And there's a lot more focus on the individual. How would you respond to that? I would say that it's important to find a balance. I wouldn't say that you should go back to how things used Mm. to be. And so nowadays, we're not even just in the psychological family anymore. We're in the pluralistic family. So it still puts personal happiness and achievement higher than the value of the family, the common good. It also adds that there's not even a correct structure so that anything kind of goes. So and it's so, moved in, increasingly to disorder. Yes. Yep. Every and, man, woman, and child for himself. Yeah. And I think to some degree, or edging towards that, right? I don't know if that's, I don't know where this trajectory will end. Um, but I think that it's important to find the balance. So it, like say with our guidelines that we have used at Direction for last decade plus, we the last guideline is about putting the education and wellness of the group ahead of personal interest and image. And so it's not about saying that the personal interests are not important. That's important in a healthy group, but it's when it becomes most important that the, it usually becomes dysfunctional in the group. And I think ultimately it doesn't even serve the individual. It serves them maybe more in the moment, but I think long-term when you long-term lose stability and security, there are things that most people can't really even comprehend is going to be on its way like coming to you later in life. So what would some symptoms be of increasingly dysfunctional family from this disorder? What kinds of problems are we seeing that we're trying to repair with having more intentional family routines? I would even say like how many people like cringe about bedtime with their kids how many people don't even see their kids on like for more than an hour or two Monday through Friday. There are a lot of people who are raising our kids that we don't even know. Right. And maybe there's benefits to that. Um, and I think for a lot of people, they actually prefer it that way because they, we've been raised to not be relational as much as we used to be. And how does that cause problems for the individual? What, what are we seeing in our practice? I would say increased anxiety, yes. depression, Agreed. meaninglessness. The attachment system often, I think, it goes hand in hand with creating meaning in our life, even if we don't realize that. Like the benefit of being immersed in a community, whether it's family based or um, a community that's, you know, maybe not of your family, but it's ch- chosen family, so to speak, is very nourishing. And with the breakdown of that, I think people are just having more, this more like pervasive anxiety mm. and depression that can't really even put your finger, finger on why on I'm exactly feeling that. exactly what it is. Just a yeah. sense of unease. Yep. And I also think there's a great book by Marion Solomon. Um, it's called Narcissism and Intimacy. And it's all about um, how most people choose partners nowadays. And it's a great read. And it's not about like personality disorder, narcissism, but just run of the mill, hyper individual. Me, me, me. Me, me, me. Yeah. And this is modern Americans. It's not every other culture. But like say um, a lot of Asian cultures are the other end of the spectrum where it's always family in order before individual and Mm. creativity. And I'm not advocating for that either. But I think we do want to balance out. I think we want to find some dynamic balance with it and be intentional about how we want to move forward. 
So the proposition here is that perhaps the pendulum has swung too far in uh, the direction of focus, hyper-focus on the individual. Am I saying that right? Yes. Yeah. And I think the part that he is focusing on in here, and it's not very, it's not like a moralistic book that by any means is trying to down people or be critical of people. I think what he's calling attention to is just that there's, there's a huge lack of support for marriage and for, and I don't mean that in a traditional way. I am open to all sorts of, you know, marriage. Um, but I, I think that what he's saying is there's a lack of support for unions, long-term unions and, um, successful child rearing. Our society is not set up to make that a, I don't want to say easy. It's never going to be easy, but it's more like you're battling against the current. I'd agree with that. I think the saying it takes a village to raise a child, that trying to do it entirely by yourself is a very much an uphill battle. So to the degree that you can have cooperative relationships, which I think is what you're talking about in terms of family, even couples. Extended couples. Whatever. Yep. It's a really daunting task to do with no help. Yeah. It's a daunting task to do with, with help. help. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And so he, in his book, the vast majority of the book, it talks about, well, what are ways to be more intentional? So how can we have what we have nowadays in this pluralistic family structure and also set ourselves up for more contentness in our relationships and to help our relationships thrive and our family thrive? And so he talks a lot about taking routine. So routine is something that maybe you do on a regular basis, but you're not very intentional about it. Mm. And turning it into a ritual where there's a clear starting, a clear ending, and some expectations. Is there some is proposition as well is that rituals and routines somehow enhance the structure of uh, a group? Or uh, there's something fundamentally important to routines and rituals to the uh, existence of groups. Yes, I think it creates cohesiveness, Hmm. reliability. It helps create the stability and security that families need more of usually. How do we do that? Well, first off, don't do anything right away. I think in our second part of this, we'll talk about how to actually start going about changing your routines into rituals. Because often what people do is they hear something. I'm totally guilty of this, right? And then like you want (laughs) to go home (laughs) and implement it like right now, but you really haven't thought it through. Um, So he has some tips for how if you do want to start moving your routines into rituals or just create new out of like from scratch rituals in your life, how to do it. Um, but we'll talk about maybe some of our own personal routines and then rituals. If you're up to that for that, Duncan, uh, I can personally <laughs> select particular ones to share. Yes, we should. Yeah, definitely. Good. Um, yes, some should be kept private for everyone's sake. Um, I think that yeah, we'll talk about that next time to share some of ours, but then we'll talk about, um, so like the rituals can be as simple as like we had mentioned earlier, nighttime rituals of putting the kids to bed or talk time between partners. Um, but it can also be like all the way down the spectrum to ways to connect with your extended family and creating rituals. One, I'll, I'll start a little bit early. Um, I know we're going to talk about next time, but like, say for my family, we had something called the right hike where that's my mom's maiden name. So the right family would get together every summer and go, what was your mom's maiden name? Right. Right. Oh, right. So we went on a hike. 
once right a year. Right, W R I G H T. Yeah, like gotcha. the Wright brothers. Not the wrong hike, right? No. Hike. Oh Sorry. yeah, and they love that. That the, the Wright family. They uh, we'd all get together and go for a hike. That was a ritual every summer that we did. So it can be That's from good. you know a very small thing that you do as a couple, ten minutes every morning having coffee and quick coffee or check in to big things that you do with your extended family. But it's about being intentional and um, communicating with others about that intention. We'll talk about that part too. Okay. And I can come up with something. Yeah. Make some good <laughs> stuff up. <laughs> All right, good. Duncan. I'll All right. see you next recording day. See you next recording day. And um, thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a good afternoon. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Is There a Med for That? For more information about our podcast and our clinical work, visit our website at medforthat.com. If you've got questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to email us at contact at medforthat.com. We'd love to answer some of your questions on air. Have a great day.